Hey, what's up, man? Afternoon, my octoroon. Afternoon, my brother. Shit, how you doing today? Nothing, nothing. Chilling, brother. My chilling. Word, man. So we gonna talk about this uh, brown sugar babies book. You know what I'm saying? We were supposed to talk about it last time, but you know, like all these technical difficulties and stuff. But <laughs> all right, so we gonna talk about this uh, brown sugar babies book and um, discuss that with the with the listeners. All right, sounds good. You know, I meant to ask you actually, what was your favorite poem in this book? Well, I got a couple of them, <laughs> but now nah, like my most favorite one was. My most favorite ones was Bitter Coffee and um, My Hood. Those were my two favorite, like my top two. Oh, top two? Okay, okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because like, it's like so relatable, you know what I'm saying? Especially yeah. like, whether, as, a, like a, as a black person, whether you grew up in the hood or, you, you know, even a suburban area. And just like, it says stuff in the poem that you could just relate to as a black person, you know? Huh. It's just, it just hits different. So I the, the reason why I wrote my hood was um like I want to say it was solely on the fact that a lot of people want to leave the hood you know as black people but it's really only honestly the only place we're accepted but at the same time it's also our like downfall at the same time because they put so much stuff there in the hood you know and they put so much uh like I I call them traps in the um yeah, yeah. I call them traps but yeah they um. They put so many traps in the hood and in our neighborhoods and stuff like that to make us kind of stay where we are, you know, they, and, and, and also to give us in like a sense of, uh, unbelonging and we can't go anywhere other than where we are right now. And it's really honestly one of the, we make like a lot of black people, like one of the things that we do good is we make light of a lot of situations. We like make the best of a, a worse situation. So like, um, for example, with us being in the hood and having all these, you know, abandoned houses and horrible things happening around us, we still find, you know, time to, you know, get back to our community, clean up the community, you know, have cookouts, have all types yeah. of, you know, and, and just be able to help each other in, amongst our community and also be like a very good, you know, role model to a lot of people. You know, when when you're older and you're in the hood and stuff like that too. So, it's like we we operate really good in in our own our own place, like where we where we're said to belong, but we actually feel belonging there. But everybody you know, it's wants. Crazy. It's like the hood reminds me of like a mouse trap, you know, because it's like okay, let's say the average black man, let's say he's in the position of a mouse, right? And the cheese represents money, you know. He's he's trying to chase his goals and stuff like that. Now, yeah. most commonly in the hood and stuff like that there's going to be somebody like watching you and somebody that's envious. And hmm. while you chasing your dream, which is the cheese, they're going to try and like take that away from you. So then that trap, you know, it, you know, kills them, harms them, whatever. So yeah. that's really like the, um, the cons in the hood, you know, just people that's out to get you and people that whether people, you know, or not, they just hating on you. You know, that's pretty much like anywhere you go. Hood, suburbs, just, you know, and, and I say all the time that, um, I think I mentioned it in this poem where I talk about the concept of crabs in a barrel. And it's just like, um, it's like when, when other people see you do good, they don't support you. They don't care for you or they try to actually, you know, harm you in some way or make you fall in some way because of the fact that they don't have what you have and they want it. But instead of trying to support you 
they you know pull you down and that's just like how crabs do when you know when they're when they're in captivity they they tend to instead of working together to get up on a higher you know level enough to get out of the barrel they like to pull each other back down and say if you can't get out or i can't get out i mean you you can't get out and so um in that sense it, it it's um Black people versus black people, we are the crabs in this barrel that we were placed in, and we're not helping each other get out. We're helping each other by, I mean, we're, we're, um, what's the name, messing each other up by pulling each other back down. And so I, I, I said, I said that in a lot of these poems, like I try to orchestrate that, uh, concept in a lot of these poems, but like we, we honestly, we honestly are one of our biggest setbacks. In the, in the black community is the black you know black people are our biggest setbacks because we don't get along for some reason it's almost as if we're listening exactly what these people are telling us is true about us which is not true we got to start believing what you know our our truth is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now you got this poem called the bad guy and um what's so crazy about that like coming from another you know fellow black man mm-hmm. it's like society in america just sees us like as inferior and like we're human i mean not human like animals and you know things like that when really we're like harmless people you know we don't we always get like we must be like intimidating you know what i'm saying to like another race Mm -hmm. and that's how we've always been seen you know like you know movies and music tv shows and the whole media you know Mm -hmm. yep the black man is one of the biggest um uh, scapegoats when it comes to the black community um yeah, we, yeah they they tend to um use us the most to kind of uh say see this is exactly what we mean you know the stereotypical mm-hmm. black person this is exactly what we mean and we are one of the forefronts of mm-hmm. you know the dark-skinned black male is one of the forefronts of this stereotype that they paint on us mm-hmm. like um like when they like i said in the beginning it goes the black man who be the scapegoat of the white folk, you know, like we are really the scapegoats that they, they, um, you know, they paint as the stereotypical horrible black person, you know? And so you see it in the, the police killings, you see it in, uh, you see it in the, um, the way in which actually they, they make movies and like you said, music and all that, like, cause the way that they make all the movies and the music and everything, when it comes to, you know, darker skinned men, we, you know, like in, in media, we're portrayed in a different way mm-hmm. that is more aggressive and, and, or lazy or not, you know, not always the best person or the most, you know, how much I say successful person in, in life. And then you see lighter toned skins, um, you know, getting their shine more than our, us darker toned people. And, you know, that's where that's where the, the line is drawn with the colorism comes in and stuff like that, because you see these right. lighter tone people getting a lot more praise, you know, for being closer to white than um, actual darker um, people. And so it gets to a point where we actually prefer to be lighter. And, mm-hmm. and that's that mental that's that mental suffering that the African-American community goes to on a daily basis um, with us feeling as if we're inferior to that of our lighter toned or lighter skinned people, even whiter people, because it seems like society paints this picture that lighter tone is a better, you know, a better skin color. Mm -hmm. 
And then another thing, too, it's like take a look at um, like what colorism, like how you see the average man, you know, mm-hmm. I want to date her because she's light skinned and, yeah. you know, they reject the, the dark skinned woman. So mm-hmm. it's pretty common, you know, especially in the dating scene, like, you know. Yeah, I swear this uh, this dark skin versus light skin thing is it just needs to stop because um, yeah, at the end at the end of the day we're all black you know and it's really destroying of the community in general. Colorism is one of the um, the most deeply rooted problems in the black community that we allow to to destroy us every day by by you know going along with it and stuff like that like we we say light skin dark skin brown skin all the time and we don't even realize that that's actually killing us you know like it's actually making us weaker as a community because we're separating ourselves amongst ourselves you know we should all be we should all be black and against this or against that prejudice against that you know there's prejudice against black and we're prejudicing uh prejudicing against ourselves by not you know Understanding that here's here's light skin, here's dark skin, but it doesn't matter because we're all black. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And th- yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't matter how light you are, how dark you are to me. Like we still black folks at the end of the day. Your skin color, you know, you may be a little lighter, but that don't make you no different from who we are as a race. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we're black. We still the same. You're just a little darker, or I'm a little lighter. Yep. I just. I honestly, um, I honestly don't even know where. Well, I, I I have an idea of where the colorism came from. You know, once like you know during the Jim Crow laws and all this, and our, you know they they made like depictions of black people in media with blackface and all this other stuff, and they were painting the darker skinned black man as this way and that way. And then as you know, racism sort of started to become more and more unacceptable people started finding new ways to do it and um you know there then there goes the concept of the brown paper bag where the brown paper bag was seen to be the ideal you know set tone of a darker skinned person if you were the color of a brown paper bag or higher you know it would be deemed as unacceptable but less than that would be more acceptable and so you know, you see these these concepts and these things and these ways that they orchestrate these racist and prejudiced rules in society without letting us really know exactly how it's going on. And we sort of play along with it. And we kind of, you know, we kind of aid in the bed this colonization, you know, this modern colonization that they're they're trying to orchestrate into our society. And we have to do a lot better than that because we shouldn't be so simple-minded to allow somebody to do something that we understand is happening. That's that mental, you know, that's that mental suffering that I'm, you know, that I went into earlier. Cause it's like, it's almost as if we're accepting our fate and we shouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Another thing too, like in this book, um, you know, I like how you listed like different facts, you know, about oh yeah, <laughs> uh, like, you know, black entertainers and mm-hmm. just stuff that people don't even know already. Like, for example, like Daniel Hale Williams, the third yep. pioneering surgeon, best known for performing in 1893, one of the world's first successful open heart surgeries. Heart surgeries yeah. He's a black man. Yep. He's a black uh, man. Black first, he, the thing about that, it was actually he didn't come up with the concept. Now, I don't want people to think he did. He didn't come up with the concept, but he was the first person to perform it. And the reason why that was because nobody wanted to have 
the first open heart surgery on their career as a like as a fail. Nobody wanted to fail, so they put a black person up there and they say, "Go ahead, you try it." And he actually showed out and did a good job. And so the the crazy part is they weren't expecting him to win. They were expecting him to actually fail, and he did it multiple times where he actually successfully did the uh, first open heart surgery. And shout out to him because. You know, now I want to be a cardiologist. (laughs) Thanks to him. (laughs) Thanks to him. He opened the doors for like future black surgeons, you know, like he paved the way for everyone in Mm -hmm. the the healthcare field. There you go. And so you see these, you see these, a lot of, a lot of actually, uh, a lot of black people um, during this time, I call it the black renaissance, (laughs) (laughs) but like, you know, but like um, a lot of black people during these times were doing so many firsts you know, and like in society, like the first ever to do this or the first ever to do that, uh, you know, first woman to, you know, do this and that, you know, it, it's actually crazy um, that uh, when it comes to the Oscars, like you think about the Oscars and you think about how people are the first to do this and that and whatever. And you think about the Oscars yeah. and you see that recently, just recently, the first black woman has earned, you know, an Oscar for the first time ever. And it was Halle Berry. And so um, this was not, this is not super recent, but this was recent. This is in like 2000. So you know, it's like, wow, you know, like, should this have been a thing already? You know, you think about people say all the time, oh, racism is dead or, or, um, you know, slavery was so long no, ago. And, <laughs> you know, like it, it, literally this is, this is like the 2000s. We're in 2022 and, you, like 22 years ago, stuff was still happening that, you know, mm-hmm. like this is not something that's not, you know, it's not like something that's not relevant. It's something right in our face and we're ignoring it. And then and everybody like else wants us to, you know, because it's like mm-hmm. passing out from this generation to the next. And then exactly. Next and everybody's just trying to pretend like it's not real or it's not true or, you know, or, or it doesn't happen to us anymore. So we don't have to worry about it. But no. You know, the more we forget about what happened or the more we forget about what was occurring around us, Mm -hmm. you know, the more we'll be blind to it. Like how in my poem, uh, this is not a dream. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I like to paint the fact that this isn't a dream. This is not, you know, this is reality. This is reality. This is the this is the things that that we go through on a daily basis. You can't pretend like it's not real. Open your eyes be more woke and i know people make fun of the word woke all the time but you know that's the best you know and people word like to use too. like people like yeah. to say they woke but are you really yeah that's <laughs> they're not really woke like are you really thinking about what's going on with you like people make a meme about it to make it seem as if it's less than what it is but in, in reality being woke is an actual thing and i don't mean it in a way in which you mean you know, the memes and the, the jokes about it have, you know, been portrayed or whatever. But do you really understand and are you aware of what's going on around you or are you pretending that it's not actually happening? For example, like when cops are killing black people all, all the time and not just black men, black women. Like I go into the book, uh, there's a page solely and specifically for women in general, black women who actually have been murdered or um, killed. Mm-hmm. from the direct result of cops or police you know and so you see these things on a daily basis you see the black man getting gunned down you see the black women getting killed you've seen all these uh racist things that are happening and things that are being said and you're and you're ignoring them 
that's what being unawoke is. That's what, you know, pretending like they're just like stuff that happens. This is a coincidence. It's not real. You know, oh, we're just saying that, you know, there could be the percentages of black people aren't that high of deaths, you know, from mm-hmm. cops or police. You know, the police brutality isn't a real thing. People are just making that up. They're just butthurt, you know, and so you just you see this the way that people act and 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 it's really a a bad thing for the black community because you have to be more awake you have to understand what's going on with you and what's going on with your people know that your skin is this and you have to understand what that means right right a lot of people aren't aware to it you know and then yeah, another exactly. thing, you know, speaking of women being murdered by police officers, like mm-hmm. you had a section that was hashtag say her name. You know, you get yep. a list of like different um, black women that were killed by police as long as mm-hmm. they were killed. Um, tell me about that. Like what made you um, put that section down? Um, I actually knew for a fact I was looking up Breonna Taylor because I wanted to do some more research on her. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to, you know, orchestrate her in the book somehow. I was thinking about just doing one section with just her. And then I was thinking, like, this would be perfect or whatever to just add Breonna Taylor in there somewhere, give her, you know, her own section, maybe even George Floyd. But then I realized that um, as while while looking this up, I already knew about this hashtag. But while looking this up, I, I, um, I re, you know, introduced myself to the hashtag. And I'm thinking, why just put Breonna Taylor in there? Why not put everybody who's ever been through something, you know, recently yeah. not just not just back in the day this this isn't a back in the day thing there are recent women as early as like 2022 mm-hmm. as of now who have actually been murdered or killed and in, in you know the direct responsibility of a cop or a police officer and it's just like we're not even covering this you know mm-hmm. one of them i've actually seen on social media but it wasn't on the news but the moment a black man gets killed on and you know all of a sudden it's national news yeah you know and then you get a whole trial and the whole this that and the third and it's just like um it's it's really sad how we don't cover the black woman but we cover the black man and 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 say my name hashtag say her name i mean it's it's one of those organizations that tries to highlight that Black men aren't the only ones being shot and killed. It doesn't take away from this, but it, you know, it didn't take away from the black man, but it, it's adding the black women in this. And it gave a list and it gave information about, you know, their stories and everything. So I decided to put that in there and I couldn't add everything. So, you know, I added what I could just so that you can look these people up and see them for yourself and see how many there actually are. And that was a small list. I'll tell you that right now. That was a very small list that I put in there. And, um, I do a lot of repetition of the names because I wanted y'all to see how old some of these people were, you know, because like I got, yeah. I know you probably, people are probably reading it. They're just skimming, skimming, skimming. They're not really actually looking at these names and you have to hashtag say her name. Cause if you see these names, right. And you're just skipping past them. Maybe if you see it twice, you'll understand it. You'll go back in and you'll be like, okay, let me look this up. Let me see this person, you know, or you'll remember that name in your head. It's just like we aren't the only one prejudiced against when it comes to police. Absolutely. And then, like, speaking of that, you know, I can't say, like, black men don't get the recognition they do in the media mm-hmm. because they do. But, like, you know, it was like what you were just saying. Black women also need that recognition themselves because you hear about, a lot about, like, you know, like uh, George Floyd or Eric Garner, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. But 
when it comes to black women, you know, like a lot of them don't get the recognition they do in the media. It's just exactly. all black men. Yeah, like um, I think I went to a whole section where um, black women are just like portrayed in such a such a I can't even explain it. Let me actually I have it right here. So it says in in the book that I wrote, it says Hollywood uh, portrays on um you know their portrayal on black women. They they sort of prey on their insecurities, and like um. It's like there's a circulation around the, the, the idea that they can't find a good man or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and the reason that is is because, you know, black women don't, you know, they don't have successful relationships, you know, they and they, and they don't have or they're either too busy for, you know, love or something like that. They're too busy focusing on themselves or maybe they're too aggressive or, maybe you know. like some trauma and insecurities, you know, that can uh, exactly. prevent them from dating, you know, another man. And, and you know, this, this also perpetuates the negative stereotype of the, you know, angry black woman. So, you know, it shows the black women in divorces or they're going through a divorce or can't seem to keep a man, you know? And so that's, that's like the, that's how the black woman is usually portrayed in Hollywood. Now the black man is a different person. We, we went in how, you know, they're portrayed as, you know, angry and scary and uh, shooting up liquor stores or, you know, getting into trouble all the time, but you know, and, and it's just, it's just like the black woman, you know, we, we focus on her right now. The black woman is really seems to be unable to, to, to find structure mm-hmm. always that's what that's what like the number one thing that they portray them as is unable to find structure i even i put a whole section about the black woman in in this book like i wanted everything that you flip next is going to be about black women it's going to have something about black women in it um you know and i think that starts at chocolate woman i want to say i oh, know actually i think it starts at type four i want to say yeah so type four is a is a, a poem about a black woman's hair. Um, and I really love this poem. Um, I, I did a lot of research <laughs> and I asked a lot of women, you know, I just I wanted to, you know, be realistic. I wanted to uh, understand their pain that they go through on a daily basis with hair. And so uh, that's what type four is about. But yeah, the, uh, the black woman section, I should say, starts here at type four and it goes into, you know, the details of what it means to be a black woman. You know, it talks about the say, you know, hashtag say her name. You know, I, I mentioned a bunch of black woman quotes. I even go into Rosa Parks, uh, not just being known as somebody who sat in the back of the, I mean, sat in the front of the bus when told to move, you know, like yeah. there's, there's so many other things that, that black women add to our community that we just don't either know or say. You know, or we ignore, and and I don't want that to be a thing anymore. So you know, I I add a lot of information about women activists and civil rights, you know, um, movements that they they solely you know helped with, or the women back in the day actually were the forefront of the civil rights movement. They were the number one people, you know, marching yeah. and. And fighting for things, especially for their own rights as a woman, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and I, I even only put in this section women 
quotes. Like uh, I think I did a uh, quote from Oprah Winfrey, and I did a quote from Kamala Harris, which she's the um, vice president. And uh, so you see all these these sections in this book too, because I wanted everything to sort of be on the same page, if you know what I mean. Like, I didn't want everything to be kind of random and mixed around. I wanted to have some structure of some sort. So um, I, I, I sort of keep everything in the same area that has to do with each other. Mm. You know, it's crazy. Like, so you got this other poem in here called Black Power, right? And mm -hmm. um, it kind of, in a way, like, relates to what you just said. Like, it says, mm -hmm. um, there is power in your skin. You must look for it. Your freedom was fought for. Find out what it took for it. Mm -hmm. And it also says, know your people, know your worth, know of the born given curse. Smile at your race and gratification. Don't associate with people with humiliation. Tell me about that. So I love that poem. Um, it's just like, I, I, I don't know why, but people, black people, especially amongst our race, we need the most affirmation. And, and um, this poem here is supposed to paint this picture in our heads that it is okay to have this curse it is okay because we we see us as having a curse our black skin having a curse but what i mean by curse is the black man's burden and so what i the black man's burden is we have we have this we have this responsibility you know given to us by nature to to check the humanity of society mm. so we're the we're the we we are directly responsible to um to make sure that humanity isn't isn't you know going off the rails to make sure that they don't they aren't they're you know doing the things that they shouldn't do right. if that makes sense and so by us being you know, carrying this burden or whatever, we're the direct representation of uh, humanity's uh, corruptivity level, if that makes sense. So the more corrupt humanity is, the harder our lives will be because mm -hmm. we are, that is our burden. So we are supposed to make humanity realize what they're doing and increase or decrease, I mean, the corruptivity of humanity to make them, therefore, not corrupt. And we have to be the sort of, um, you know, the ones who carry this, this burden because we are the only ones who can smile and be happy and, and make light and make, you know, make light out of a dark situation. Right. Like, you see slaves and how they used to sing during you know, picking cotton and working long hours and being in the sun for, you know, days. And so you see, you think like, why are they singing? Why are they, you know, isn't singing supposed to be something you do when you're happy? Yeah, you know? joyous. Why, why are they clapping? Why are they waiting for Sunday for that church? You know, that church, why, why are they so, why are they finding ways to be happy? It doesn't make any sense. It's because we have the most uncorrupted humanity of all the races. We are the direct deities to be able to, to show humanity hey you're doing something wrong this is what you're this is the direct cause of what you're doing 
you have to check yourself. And so when we keep we keep humanity in check, right, by our lives reflecting its corruptivity. And so that's what that's why nature, you know, it, that's what nature is in, you know intended us to 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 um, hold. And you hear a white man's burden all the time, but this one is actually a good one. White man's burden is sort of like a I don't know where they came up with that. Where they felt they had to take care of, you know, lesser. Well, nobody's ever lesser. Nah, not at all. All right. So yeah. there's um this other poem you guys called Come to America. And mm. um it's kind of like <laughs> speaking from yeah perspective, it's like um come to America, you'll have a blast. We got white supremacy and overpriced gas. Come to America, yeah. it'll be fun where there's no difference between holding Skittles and holding a gun. Come to America, yeah. it'll be great where every minority fights for a change. Come as long as it takes. Come to America, it'll be fine. Just make sure your skin is in dark as mine. Tell me about that poem right there, my brother. Man, listen, man. <laughs> Coming to America here, I'm going to just let y'all know something right now, right? Um, I actually put a disclaimer in the beginning of this book. So the, the book is solely for affirmation of the African-American community. It does put down on the white race in some ways, but it is not in any way to be derogatory. Coming to America is one of the most unapologetically black poems I've put in this book. Now, saying that, I wrote it solely on the fact that America says, like you ever heard uh, Make America Great from the Trump, you know, it's like, and people are always thinking to themselves, like, when was America ever great? And you really, that really resonates with me because you really understand that America is not great at all and never was great before. There was never a time where America was solely great. Never, ever. And there's never probably going to be a time for a, a long time. And so the fact that we're pretending like it is great and the people who come up with these slogans don't understand that there are some things they're, they're trying to be blind to. The, the fact that there are some things that were not great at all that happened and are still happening. And so coming yeah. to America, America is... America would never be great. Like overpriced gas and yeah. inflation. Yeah. Great. It's like a modern day Great Depression going on, you know? Yeah, like, I swear. Especially with, especially with uh, Ukraine and uh russia right now they're you know they increase a gas correlation and it's just like it's like we're not even doing anything right now and you know and it's just like america too yeah it's it's skyrocketing and so you see you see that we're we're not really great at all um we might be great when it comes to our military we might be great when it comes to being able to you know be stronger than everybody else and wave a giant stick around, you know, but like, to be honest with you, how great is America? And that's what this poem is supposed to portray. It's supposed to show you there is not a smidget of, we can go to any subject of America. It don't matter what gas, um, you know, health insurance, we can go to uh, different races, diversity, all that. Um, and there will always be a crack a crevice. There will always be some problem, you know. And so America can't have this slogan of being great again or, you know, remaining great or being the greatest country, this, that, and the third. And people want to come here because of it. If we aren't fixing these small factors that are fixable, right. extremely fixable, they're not even like something that's big. I'm not talking about global warming, you know. 
like that that's the thing but that's not even just an american thing but i'm not talking global warming you know big i'm talking simple as you know have steps before you plow your gun and shoot you know yeah think before you react exactly and you know and then we got the overpriced gas and the COVID nineteen. Mm. <laughs> Don't even get me started on COVID nineteen. How how they're trying to now, you know, pass laws to unmandate uh, masks. Just to amongst. force everybody to get the vaccine. Like I, I, I never yeah. understood that, yo. And and unforce people to get the vaccine and, and saying it's not a mandate because it's against the constitution. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't already a thing. Um, as a healthcare professional, I know for a fact that the the regular smegular masks that we wear on a daily basis, just the regular blue ones or, you know, black, whatever color, they don't actually stop the COVID-19 vaccine. Nope. I mean, virus. They don't actually stop it. It just goes right through it. It's and that small. The vaccine, it's like, even with the vaccine, you still get COVID. It's a, it's a gamble. The thing is, the vaccine um, actually well, yeah, doesn't even work. It won't be as severe, you know? The, 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 they're, they're trying to, it's like a gamble. It'll happen whether it, it'll be like 50 50 or not even 50 50. It'll kind of be like, um, it'll be like 30 50. Uh, uh, it'll be pointing more towards the fact of you getting it. But um, it's just like you're going to get it with this vaccine. You're still going to get it. You can still get it. You're just probably not going to have that many symptoms or it won't get as worse as you, you know, because we kind of gave it to you already to kind of be used to it. But we gave it to you in a weakened version, you know, so that's what a vaccine kind of does. And so um, that's like the short version of it. And so you see this and you see that the COVID-19 thing is just like a front to get election notices and stuff like to it's just like get elected it's, like it's really a distraction from something else Especially and we just got to figure out what that is like the media will put out something like one day and then they put out some false information or some shit like that the next day yeah it's all the yep. media bro like i'm telling you and then they get mad when you try to give out facts and they take your stuff down off of facebook and they say oh if this is false information we're taking it down like you ever try to Say something with COVID nineteen in the in the caption or something like that. They they say, oh, don't push out any false information. This and the third. That's on Facebook or Instagram. Now that Facebook owns everything, but you know, you see these things that they're trying to do to stop us from telling the truth. You know, because they don't want anybody to have false information about the COVID nineteen thing. But they're giving out the most false information there is. They know for a fact from the whole time that these little masks were working and the M ninety fives are the only thing that would stop the COVID nineteen from going through. Now, don't get me wrong, wear a mask if you want to, but if you want to stop the COVID-19 vaccine from getting into your, you know, face or giving it to somebody, you need to be wearing an M95, and those don't even last that long. To be honest with you, the Omicron is nature's vaccine. Yep. It's nature's vaccine. Get the Omicron is the lesser version of the COVID. You'll actually become immune, not immune, but you'll actually become less susceptible to COVID. It's nature's vaccine. It's actually better than the vaccines that we're creating. It doesn't make any sense, though. You know, you see how um, AIDS and, you know, cancer and all this stuff that's been along here for so long with COVID-19, that's not even as serious as the flu, comes out of nowhere. Everybody has a mass freak out. And then it just, like, destroys the entire, the entire world. Everybody's going out of whack. And Y'all come up with a vaccine like that. Snap your fingers. Now you got a vaccine. It took you a couple of months. What happened to cancer? 
you know what happened to you know like i understand these might not yeah like the the flu you know it took y'all what like a while to come up with one for that what the hell happened there like literally the vaccine is creating these extra variants as well because when the COVID-19 virus is like we're figuring out that we're actually becoming more immune to these things, it's just going to make a different version of itself. Mm-hmm. Literally. And so by taking the vaccine and giving everybody the vaccine, you're actually making it worse. But nobody wants to say these things. And that's what I mean. Like, come to America or come to the well, America because they don't do yeah they they don't even do they don't even do this in other countries a lot of countries i think like italy they're just like they unmandated everything and they're just back to normal um i I don't don't quote me on that because i don't know if it was italy or not but it's a lot of countries that just stopped doing it they just went back to regular things you know so in this poem uh not to cut you off but like no you're going to america it mm-hmm. also said, like, but soon half the population will be lazy and fat. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie. That's a true statement because yes, like, take a look at all these processed foods and, you know, uh-huh. all this shit that's seen this, all this poison. Matter of fact. Exactly. Like, and don't taste the same. None of that it, shit. Exactly. And you see how all this stuff is in the neighborhoods with the black people and the Hispanic people and all the all the ghettos where all the you know minorities live. They put all that stuff there, but then they have um like you ever try to go and get some, you know, if it wasn't for Walmart and Wegmans and all that, you ever try to go get some actual, you know, uh non-GMO, you know, like gluten-free stuff. You got to go so far out. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking about you got to go all the way to like <laughs> with the white neighborhoods. And, you know, you got to and you, you just in you just in a whole different town. This ain't Kansas no more. And all of a sudden you're just thinking like, dang, well, I had to travel all the way out here just to find something good enough to eat. You know, and so it's like they put that stuff so far out away from you so that you just go right where you can, you know, and. It does not have any of that stuff that you actually need to stick to keep yourself healthy. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people started growing their own things. You can grow your own plants, vegetables, you know, really anything you want. Seeds. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like These- it's just it's just a trip because it's like America feeds us so much poison. Like you got alcohol, you got these processed foods that, you know, like microwavable foods that have shit in it that can mm-hmm. give you cancer and all this other shit that it says. And. It's, it's really like all a all a gamble, like you said. Like, everything is a gamble. Life is a gamble. Everything is a gamble. Life if you think that gamble. if you think that you get through life risk free, you're stupid. No offense, but you know nothing you, in life is free. Everything nothing in life problem. is free. Everything costs something. Everything and every single thing, free. every single thing is a risk. Everything, everything you do is a risk. Just going it's outside, you could die scam. literally. That, yeah, a scam awesome. or a risk. Everything oh. costs money. Don't don't ever think anything is free. There's always some catch to a lot of stuff you know and so america is not the greatest that they say it is you know don't believe that wake up it's not a dream all right uh what's another good poem i found in here um shoot here's a battle woman <clears throat> oh yeah, I was literally just looking at that. <laughs> you know, I, before we start, before we start with Battle Woman, I, yeah. I just want to say I just I literally just got my um hardcover copy in the mail actually, and this thing is looking amazing. Um, the hardcover copies, I I really wanted to see 
uh, with this book because on like the first book, I couldn't actually do that at first. And then they had the option available when the second one was coming out. So I did everything and anything to get this book out. So make sure you get your hardcover copy too, because these right here look really nice and they got a nice, a nice little gleam to them. And they actually look, I think this, this uh, cover actually looks better than the uh, paperback, my opinion. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, you're back to battle one. go crazy. Like the paperback, uh -huh. too, but them hard copies different. The hard copies is everything. That's, that's, that's where the, you know, that's where all the special stuff comes from, hard copy books. Yes. But yeah, back to Battle Woman. <laughs> yeah, Battle Woman, uh, you know, you said, honestly, you just want to be a woman because stick and stone may break your bones, but you alone can keep you strong. Your stride, your pride, your matching mind. Honestly, you just want to be a woman. Your gentle heart when given the cue, but ferocious claws when pushed to. Tell me about that right there. See, uh, black women, this is the black women section here, by the way. So black black women, they're just like the most disrespected race, like the uh, so, like the species of our race, like the gender of our race is literally the most disrespected person, I say. Like um, we like they I don't know they're all they're, they're in their, their own battle they're in their own war by themselves they and especially I'm, pr I'm pretty sure they feel the same way and so we we are you know as black men we are in our own war as well but just you know specifically talking about black women right now they are in their own battle battle women so like they 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 um they tend to fight alone usually and it's because they feel as if everybody is against them and so honestly they just want to be a woman and that's it they just want to be a woman. They want to be able to have the luxury of being a woman. And what comes with being a woman is just being able to exist and not be hated for no reason. And just you feel know? beautiful. With and feel beautiful. That's it. Yeah, and see yourself portrayed in Hollywood. See yourself portrayed in music. See yourself portrayed in such black excellence, you know? In like, a positive and it's just, way, too, because you know yeah. how like to, like, degrade women, you know, in these rap yeah. songs and, and movies and stuff like that. Same with black men, though. Because not only are you a woman, you're black. And so that's a that's, that's a beautiful. double on you know, that's a double that's a double thing right there, you know? That's a really a beautiful thing because you're a black woman. And just just it's so it's so um it's such of a thing. I don't even know what to say there, but it's such a thing that black women is is like just being able to say black woman is just like powerful. You know, like that that those words together, you know, and so it just reminds me of a battle woman. You know, it gives off the same energy, a battle woman and a black woman. They just have this war that they fight along with. She's a strong so, warrior. Yeah, yeah. She's a strong warrior. She's 10 feet tall, but can't ride this ride, you know. And so it's like she's the most the most qualified. But for some reason, she doesn't get the job. And this doesn't make any sense to me. And so that's why I work battle woman, because I really I really um sympathize with black women with us being in the same race and going through the same struggles on a daily basis there are obviously two different struggles that we go through on uh, uh between the two of us there's there's the black man and there's the black woman and we go through uh, different things all the time mm -hmm. and so and, and that's the number one thing that i wanted to portray in this book um other than the brown you know the brown sugar babies and you know making a life for them that that you know gives us you know, gives them the the qualities and, you know, the life that they deserve. But the other thing that I wanted to give off in this book is that there are two different struggles amongst the, you know, the 
the generations and the genders in this black community. And we need to realize what those are and we need to fix them, fix our differences so that we can understand each other more. Right. Another thing too, like about battle women, here's what I put as an example. Like um, as an example, I'll use like your average single mother, right? The average mm-hmm. single mother is, you know, obviously black because you see more black single mothers than like a white single mother, Hispanic single mother, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So the average black single mother, whether young, old, whatever, I could consider that a battle woman because mm-hmm. raising kids alone, no father in the house, you know, no man in the house, you're raising them mm-hmm. kids by yourself. That's a battle that you got to do every day because I know dealing with kids is not easy. And even yeah. like you go out your own house and the world is a battle itself because you have exactly. your kids into this world and you never know, you know, what's around the corner from you. Like trouble could be following you. You could just be an innocent person, you know, an innocent bystander. Mm-hmm. So a single mother, also black one at that, I could consider that a battle woman. Mm-hmm. That was a good representation. Yeah, that was well said. Absolutely. And it's just like, it's like black women, they just, they just go through a lot of alone fighting yeah. all the time, you know, and, you know, black men too. You know, men in general, and but black women especially, they live in a smaller box that they have to fit inside. And um, they hate being in boxes. They like to feel secure. And so, you know, they, they don't they don't like to tend they tend to get out of that box and they tend to do whatever they need to do for themselves and only themselves. And uh, you know, make sure that they're okay first. And that's that's exactly what a battle woman would do, is they strategize to make sure that they're okay. Mm-hmm. And so, and I don't blame them with all the stuff that all the people against them, all this, all these enemies, especially black men, for some reason, we seem to, you know, push them down some of the most than more, you know, more than anybody else. And, and that's what I mean by this toxicity that's in, that's amongst, um, you know, the black community between these two genders, you know, we're really, you know, we're really nothing without our Queens. And our queens are nothing without our without their kings, and we really we really need to realize that because I like to make the analogy all the time that we're arguing amongst ourselves about you know pain and being hurt, but at the same time, we're who's stabbing us in the back? You know, like who's the one hurting us? Who's who's stabbing us? And it's the people who are oppressing us. It's like how they say, you know, hurt people hurt people, but except you know, yeah, we're hurting each other, even if it's like. Black people hurting black people, but here's the real question: Like, who hurt us? The what hurt mm-hmm. us? Why did it hurt us? How did it hurt us? And and I saw this on Facebook the other day. Um, it was a guy I can't remember his name, but he said that he was uplifting his community, his black community, with one hand and pushing back all the haters that were black with the other one. And so it's just like, damn, you know, like we really push ourselves down the most. And it's really crazy. And it's bad. It's really ridiculous. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. Like, to be honest with you, an example of this is the fact that this book actually doesn't sell as good as Sounds of Boredom. And the reason that is is because Black people rather share the book, you know, and put it out there. But never, like, than, gain But never knowledge. actually, yeah, like, gain, gain the knowledge and understand what this book actually pertails. And I found that there are more white <laughs> you know, customers and, you know, who are buying this book and and it doesn't make sense. It's the opposite effect of what I needed. To be honest with you, I don't mind, you know, uh, 
you know, Caucasian people buying this book and, and understanding the struggles and, and trying to understand us. And that's cool. That's, that, that's, that's a beautiful thing too. But the fact that black people couldn't even, you know, take the time to try to buy the book and the sales were actually lower doesn't make any sense. You know, it was for you guys. And yeah. so you see, you see this, this crabs in a bill, you see this. Us, like, it pertains to our culture, you know, like it gives mm-hmm. like prime examples and facts and definitions that we should know about the black culture and our black history, you know? Exactly. And and so I'm trying to paint these pictures for people so they can understand who they are and what where they come from, you know, gain a sense of identity some more. And then it seems like nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to hear that. People a lot of people are not awake. A lot of people got better yeah. things to do than, you know, to to realize their struggles and realize their problems. Man, a lot of people right are in this world, though. Like, mm-hmm. in this book right here alone, it just um, represents for, like, different generations of Black people, you know, dating back mm-hmm. from slavery to even current times, like, in this generation. Yep. So it's just, you know, and even, like, explains, like, in the book, it also explains um, something that's very common and that's been going on for generations. For example, like, um, no father in the household. Like, that's been going mm-hmm. on f- since beginning of time. And it even yep. says that in the book, like it um let me go back to that page. Yeah, like how it was painting how that um and um during like like on the slave plantations there was there they didn't like families like that. Like they, they really didn't like family. And so um they would try their best to break up families and, and you know, and slaves were they're actually like property they weren't really supposed to be something of a family they were kind of just like to be bought and sold you know they were less than human and so with that being said you would see um you would see fathers taken away from their families all the time and they would name their sons after themselves and that's what the junior um you know prospect came from where they would name their sons after this so that the son could take over as or be you know in placement of the father and right. so they would take them away all the time so you see all these fathers being taken away from their families 24 7 how are we supposed to understand you know how are we supposed to know what it means to be a father if we had no representation of what that is and so that killed a lot of generations you know ability to be able to do you know, or go out and, and, and be a father because they had the representation of what a, a, a black father meant, especially not even today. You know, you see you see what a good father is and uh like shows like Fresh Prince of Bel Air is like Uncle yeah, Phil. Yeah, like Uncle Phil or Family yeah. Matters. Or Family Matters, you see you, yeah, you cop, see, you know, yeah, a black cop and he even stood up for his son, you know, um getting attacked or harassed or whoever by white cops. You know, mm-hmm. there was one episode that he actually went to this restaurant or something and confronted this mm. white cop for harassing his son just for a broken taillight or something in that manner. So yep. it's stuff like that that is very you know important in the black community. And so we we need more representation amongst media to show us these things, to show us these qualities that we should have as a black person to negate the stereotypical things that that, that are painted, you know, painted on us or whatever. And so I, it just kills me that the media portrays us as what, what, like what is it, uh, Snowfall or um, what is the name of that show with Fifty Cent Power, Power, yeah, like and Power, you you see, and then the movies yeah, like, like uh, Boys. Yeah. In the Hood menace to society you know like they like to they like to glamorize the the grittiness in the yeah. black community like the hood the trenches and That's, poverty it, and stuff like that 
But and and you, you don't like see you got movies yeah like that glamorize yeah. like the hood ain't always bad you know like ain't like, always bad keep it real like it's having fun you know i'm not saying put down where we came from and and just just demolish it and make it seem as if it's not but at the same time these are new times and also these are there are there are older times that had better lessons to teach Whatever happened to teaching you something in a TV show? What that, that had to do with black people, you know? Like, right. I'm not saying everything should be freaking, you know, educational, but I'm just saying, like, there needs to be that that cutoff because we have no representation, and it's killing us as black people because and they're killing the black community. We need to know what black loves look like. Uh, looks like again. We need to know what uh, a, a father looks like again so that so that we can we can copy that directly like what happens to the you know what happened to the bill cosby huxtable father like what happened to that you know and you see these these shows trying to modernize again and they're just painting them as like um what's that new show uh fresh principal the new show for the yeah, fresh principal yeah. there yeah. where carlton is um doing zans and sniffing you know crack yeah. i think it was yeah and he's it, just, just, it just gives a bad look and it's kind of disrespectful to the yeah. previous generation of you know the fresh prince of bel-air and it's like that's that's not who we are and it makes you know the rest of us look bad as black men like, exactly we, we are we're not drug addicts we don't we don't engage in that type of stuff yeah we we, we tend to stay away like number one rule don't get off high off your own supply like we barely <laughs> even like come on now we sell it to y'all we try to you know we try to change the you know we're trying to change the narrative, turn it around on y'all. Because the thing like, is that not even just that, but like I yeah. think in the black community, speaking of like fatherhood, I think especially young black boys, they need that mm-hmm. father, that positive male role model guidance, you know, because it's like you hear a lot of stories about people growing up without a mother, growing up without a father, and mm-hmm. maybe that they gotta get sent to foster home and stuff like that. So without that parental guidance, especially a father in the house, it affects the child so much. And it's like you know, the father, I mean, the child can grow up to sell drugs and start gangbanging and all this other stuff, potentially getting themselves arrested or killed. So it's really a common thing, especially in the black community. Mm-hmm. And like speaking of young black boys, um, one of the poems in my book is actually called Young Black Boy, but it's just an abbreviation as YBB. But um, and you see you see how like how I mentioned in here. Actually, I'll read it for you. Um, it says. It says, I'm a diamond or something like a rose that grew from the concrete. No, it wasn't this asphalt. My environment was designed for me to lose. Broken like the streets of my neighborhood and just as ignored, never fixed. My light grew cold before puberty could hit. And you see how, you know, they, they I go into depth about how black young black boys, they tend to lose a lot of their innocence early on. You know, and 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 um and that's due to the environment that they're in. It's due to the fact of what they're portrayed as. They they grow up knowing what what, what exactly yeah. is already you they know there for them. Like abusive parents, um, mm-hmm. like the mother could be on drugs, the father could be selling drugs and in and out of jail, and then they live in the hood. You know, more commonly, and you see these crackheads, you see these um gang bangers outside. You start mm-hmm. partaking in their ways, and because you know that's your influence at the time. That's the influence. Yeah. You, you have no other person to go to for resources no, like that. Nothing to see. Nothing is around you to show you what you're supposed to be. And it's not in it's not in like bulk. It's in it's in you know it's few people doing that. Like I'm not saying there aren't people out here that are trying to show people something, but th- it's not in bulk. You don't see a lot of people doing it. Like you, if you see a lot of people selling drugs, but you see one guy going to school, what the hell are you gonna do? You yeah. know, 
you're gonna you're gonna go sell them drugs or you're gonna go and do the bad thing that's making the money quick that's making the money fast instead of doing this you know over here that's actually going to have a longevity to it you know you don't know what that is you don't know what that pertains i had to teach myself that because i didn't have anything around me but luckily there was also ne nothing negative that affected me as well everything that came to me i always was like i was like a bubble a shield or something and nothing could come into my bubble unless i wanted it to i was an unpermeable you know membrane like how the cell is yeah well, permeable you know when it wants to be so whenever something was coming to me negative or positive it didn't matter what it was if i wanted it in here if i wanted to adopt it if i wanted to learn it i would learn it and I'm glad I, I taught myself that early on because I realized as a, as a young black boy that there was a lot of negatives around me. There's a lot of positives around me and I have to learn which one is which. And so you just got to take the ins with the outs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and it's, how are we going to get to uh, black love? Matter of fact. Mm -hmm. So we got black love. And then um, it says burning, burning in my chest. I feel the heat of your presence replaced by the cold of your absence. I can't compensate. It's cold every night. Where do I find love from now? We are not okay. We have drifted apart, far apart, in the ocean of lonely. And I worry mm -hmm. about you drowning because I am right now. Tell me about that line right there. So the black man and the black woman, when it comes to black love, it's really dead. It's dying. I shouldn't say dead, but it's dying. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah. it's like it's like looking. It's like we literally both see it. And like a black woman is sitting across from me and I'm a black man. And we're looking at this dead horse that's literally dying right in front of us. And we're not going to put it out of this misery. We're not going to. We're just going to watch it die. We're going to try to heal it every now and then. But occasionally we're going to, you know, digress and, you know, to forget to, you know, do something for it and it dies even more it's just like black love is dying slowly and we're not doing anything for it we no. have the proper we have the proper everything we need to fix this this horse everything we need to fix this dying love but yet we're not doing anything like that so you see it's a burning in my chest you know i know i'm missing something you know i'm knowing that that this my heart is missing something about me is missing something that makes me whole is missing so you see that burning in your chest you know um you know i i feel the heat of your presence cuz when you're here it's hotter it's better it's you know i feel i feel warm the heat of your presence is 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 replaced it's by the cold of your absence because you're not here anymore you know, right. and now it's cold. Now it's not as warm anymore. I feel alone. And with somebody I'm supposed to feel at home with, I feel alone because you're not here. Everybody is turning their backs on, you know, the the people we're supposed to be with, you know. And so it says I can't compensate. There's nothing that's going to help me. Not a, not another person over here. Not another. I have to, it has to be you, black woman, you know. And so it, otherwise it's not going to be a compensation for that. And it's cold every single night. You know, where do I like what do I find love from now? And um it says we are not okay. I know for a fact that we are not okay because I am not the only one who feels this. There is no possible way that I'm feeling this much pain, but you're okay. There's no way. I refuse to believe that. Even if it's true, I refuse to believe it. And so, you know, I say we are not okay. We are drifting apart, far apart, and you know, in an ocean of lonely. And so this is like we're we're becoming more and more lonely. We're becoming more and more, you know, distant. And so sooner or later, we will drown because we can't swim for that long. 
and we're getting further and further away from each other and we used to hold each other up. So that drowning is going to is going to kick in sooner or later. And I know you're drowning because there ain't no way you swimming as long as I'm swimming and you good. You know, that doesn't right. make any sense, you know. And so um, and black love is really dying. And especially in, in media, it's, it's painted so, so, you know, destructively. Uh, like we really, really have like a bad representation of black love in media right now. And, and they make it seem as if if you date a white man or if you date a white woman, it's going to be like 10 times better and everything is going to be perfectly fine and you have nothing to worry about. And so that it just kills me. Man, it's crazy because like there's actually dudes out there, you know, like black dudes who resort to white. I mean, not saying, you know, like if they want to get into interracial relationships, that's on them, you know, but mm-hmm. there's people, you know, dudes and there's women that do that sometimes too. They resort to the other race because of that, you know? Yeah. But um, there's um, there's another place in this book. Let me see. Uh, Hollywood's portrayal of black love. Now yep. you got black women, black men, and black love. Now tell me about this section here about the portrayal. So this is like um, right smack dab in the middle of the black love section. I think it's right after the black woman section. And so um, it's like uh, I wanted to I wanted to try to give some representations of how media portrays everybody in general and 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 um you know in in like hollywood and so you, you we we talked about the black women we talked about the black men but then we have to get into that black love portion and what that portrays you know about how the you know how love is is portrayed when it comes to black people and in hollywood and things like that and you see that Hollywood is portraying them in such a bad, you know, manner. It, it, it's just like we're we're always problematic. There's always a problem with our love and stuff like that, and it's never really healthy. And and so you you think about shows from back in the day, like like um like you like for example the you know uh, Bill Cosby show, and you see how in that show he's portrayed to have a beautiful wife loving kids the relationship is good there's never a problem you know but for some reason like but like not only are they convincing other races they're also convincing our race that this is how we are as like you know like as a as a as a couple like when whenever black people are dating this is exactly how we're going to be. And this is what it means to be in a black relationship. They're convincing the black community. This is how we act and driving the narrative to point it, you know, to like to, you know, to point it out that way and basically affecting black relationships in real life. Black people are slowly turning away from dating each other and slowly to avoid these stereotypes. Um, black is complicated. Yes. And difficult, but so is every other love how we painted you know in media as the only you know race that has these crazy problems right and and then they and then it validates acceptable behavior amongst just us our our races you know relationships it makes it makes it okay for black women to act a specific way or it makes it okay for a black man to act a specific way or not be a dad or you know because they see it all the time and they're thinking oh this is how we're supposed to act i guess 
you know, it's not really good, but it's seen so much that it's kind of just okay now because everybody else is doing it. And so, you know, we don't have any portrayal of what we need to see. And I'm tired of it. It doesn't make any sense to be portrayed in such a way. It's like, only... you know, we can't always be portrayed as the, like the men, we can't always be portrayed as thugs, baby boys, or, you yeah. know, like criminals. And the women can't always be portrayed as like sluttyish or, you know, degrading. Yeah. Like we, it's something got to change to that. Yeah. And so it's a lot of, a lot of things that we need to realize what's going on. And that's why this book is, you know, solely trying to paint a picture of what, what exactly are these traps, these, these deeply rooted, um, you know, modernized colonization tactics that are, that are being, you know, implemented in society so that we don't understand they're happening, but we're, we're aiding and abetting this to occur and we're letting it happen. And so by telling people or bringing awareness to this, people should, you know, it should allow it less or change their mindset and it, just being able to change one mindset or change, you know, another person's mindset will help the community in some way, even if it's that 1%. And so the more we, we realize these things are happening, the better we'll be off as a community. But until then we, we have, we have some internal fixing to do. And that's the first thing I need. I think we need to do is fix ourselves, you know, I think uh, what I want to talk about is um, like what we were discussing, like um, black people doing affirmations. Now, mm-hmm. it kind of relates to this um, this line in this poem called YBB that you have. Mm-hmm. And it says, I'm a diamond or something like a rose. Now, I feel like that should stand out because it should it should make you feel uplifted, you know, in a world yeah. that doesn't uplift you, especially as a black person. Yeah, um, it's just, you know, it gives you that that sense of clarity about yourself. Yeah, because because diamonds are are made in in such harsh environments and under so much pressure if you think about it you're a diamond or you know like or, or like a like a rose you know spread from the from the cracks of concrete it's impossible for you to thrive here but yet we find ways to do it all the time black people are the most triumphant race and it, and it's really evident there's so much evidence to it and so it's like we really are diamonds. We find so many ways to make ourselves shine, regardless of where we come from and regardless of what we did to get here. And so it's so we have to realize that we have to realize that this is what we were created to do is to be diamonds. You know, yes, we are seen to be just regular rocks right now, clumps of coal, whatever the hell you. And so then under all this pressure and under all this circumstance, put in the right environments and, and you know, characterized this way, we'll shine regardless because we will show you exactly what our underside is, you know, and we will be impenetrable. And so it makes us realize just how good we are. You know, you got you have to get that affirmation in there. You got to embrace yourself too. embrace your looks, your personality. That way you can raise your vibration. Just like in this other line, you know, you said, um, yes, I wear this means look because there's nothing to smile about. But I'm no menace to society. Go Mm -hmm. so much. They surprise. I keep sobriety like that's just so relatable because like how many people you see walking down the street, just me mugging and, you know, look stiff like that. You know, it's just people looking at each other and just trying to look intimidating for what i mean like you're supposed to smile back like we the same race we're supposed to be happy to see each other 
Yeah, and so it's like sometimes people do it just because they're walking down the street that's kind of dangerous and they want to kind of look yeah. mean so they can't, you know? And so, like, it's just like, damn, you know, why do we have to do that, you know? Oh, we got to hate each other. Like, you know, like, there's nothing to smile about. I get that, you know? Like, do you have nothing to smile about? So I don't wear a smile, and I get that, you know? But it's going to start weighing on you after a while, you know? Like, we need more things to smile about. You gotta start yeah. smiling. You gotta. You, you're not a minister society, but they're gonna look at you that way if you just sitting there pouting and upset about everything. Absolutely. You gotta realize your situation before you get into it. You know, because a lot of people are just like I think a lot of people more so are happy with themselves compared to what's going on around mm-hmm. them. You know, mm-hmm. and, and um, another thing I want to talk about, for example, like there's a poem called "Wanted" that you have in here. And yeah. To me, it kind of it kind of like represents or like you know stands for the average black man who's incarcerated. Like, yep. there's a lot of black men incarcerated, black women, and nine times out of ten, it's for a crime they didn't commit or you know got accused of. Like in one, mm-hmm. it says, um, "One and dead or alive, I walk this world with a bounty on my back. I try yep. to blend in, but they can see right through me." And there's also one that says. Make me think I only got two options, dead or alive. Everywhere I step, these are eggshells. I was set up Mm. from the jump. I was never supposed to win, dead or alive. Which one will or be? And so basically, that's like, as a black man, it's like, you don't have it safe. Like, you either got to serve time if you're alive, you know, to the point where you're serving life to Mm -hmm. death. Or or walk on eggshells your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like we got this bounty on us and and they're just waiting for us to trip up you know it's it's really it's really a like i said it's really a risk walking outside absolutely like every day it's it's like you know especially as a black person you go outside you don't know what to expect like god forbid you don't even know if you're going to make it back home you know mm-hmm. you don't know if you're going to have an encounter with a police officer you know, you just never know. That's why, you know, you always got to keep your, your spirits up and just represent for yourself, you know? Yeah, a lot of Black people, um, especially Black men, they just, they're just waiting for it to happen. Like, they know it's going to happen one of these days. They're just waiting for it, you know? And so, like, oh, damn, is this the day that, you know, some some cop takes me out or something like that? You know, that's, like, one of the fears of being a Black man, especially. you just, like, thinking constantly, damn, like, oh, damn, is this the day? And it's so common, too, because, like, you hear about it in the media, like, all the time. Maybe not as much recently, but then again, it's still out there. There's still black men being killed, harassed by not even just, like, racist cops, but, like, um, <clears throat> like racist neighbors and, you know, being harassed by um, just random racist yeah. rednecks or something like that. So it happens <laughs> the na- more commonly than you think. Outside. Yeah, the, na- the neighborhood Karen and yeah, yeah. <laughs> all that just... <laughs> Just you know, and it's like it's really like walking on eggshells. I'm glad I said that because it's really like walking on eggshells. It's very difficult. And then it's like you know, um, you know, I'm looking at this is not a dream, and it kind of <laughs> relates to you know the 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 summary of this poem. It's like you y'all gotta wake up. This this shit ain't no dream, man. This is yeah. like a nightmare, like a living nightmare. And we're trying to do our best to make a dream out of it. Mm-hmm. But, and then it's like. Black people is kind of defeating the purpose of what Martin Luther King had a dream of. And I'm not just going to say yeah. black people because sometimes you got like a couple black folks who, you know, go against their rights and 
just make us look bad or there's always another race doing something and getting involved or who knows, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, and so you see that, you see that in um, a lot of, uh, a lot of the stuff that goes on in society nowadays, especially most of the black community is that we, we pretend stuff isn't there and it's not real. Yeah. You know, like I said before, you know, I don't want to jump back into it, but you know, like we really need to start waking up and understanding that this is an actual thing that's happened to us. This is not a dream, not a fake, you know, fake matrix, not a, you know, false reality. This is real. You know, you're not going to snap your fingers, wake up or, you know, and be good. And everything is peachy and creams. No, just, you have to realize what you're, what you're in and, you know, what it took for us to get to actually even where we are now. Absolutely. Like we never, it's always been like years and years <clears throat> and generations just fighting for what we deserve, fighting for our rights and stuff like also in um my hood, the poem, it's like, I use this as an example, like take a look at how many dudes that live in the hood, that live in the projects, you know, in these apartment complexes, they like, oh, this my block, this such and such, you know, Yeah. Mm -hmm. and it's like, we don't even own these, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like these places. I swear you own them, but yeah, like they, they pay for these things themselves. Yeah. Like, like you don't own nothing, brother. Like you might be here, you know, more than them, but that's a bad thing, you know? They yeah, exactly do exactly where you where you want they want you to be, and you doing exactly what you they want you to do. Like, come on now, what are you what are you contributing? You know, it's like where you trying to gain a you know, I, I just never understood that, bro. Like people be claiming these neighborhoods that the white man own, talking about this mine, this mine, but the whole mm -hmm. time it's like you kind of like a you're you're a puppet to it, you know, and you're like living here. Mm -hmm. Cause at the end of the day, it's not ours. Like it's under a white man's last name, you know, like some some street or this block or these projects. It's all like a white man's name or something. So it ain't our shit. <laughs> yeah, but, it's it's really getting out of hand with that. Like at least back in the day, when it came to you know the people who was in you know gangs and stuff like that, the old heads they used to they used to like at least put back into the community in some way. Like you saw people, you know, saying, "Oh, no women, no children." You know, um, only keep it amongst the, the people that's involved. You know, uh, you know, they would, they would, they would, uh, they would protect parks and stuff like that. They would protect sides of, you know, because like Tupac said, you know, the police, the government, that's all some gang shit. You know, like yeah. they all gang, like that's all that. Gang. And he said that he learned they learned their gang stuff from them. Like all the stuff that they do now, learn from them. All that Please. stuff that's in the hood, like, you yeah. know, like all this going to war with each other and all these guns and drugs they put in the hood, they learn all that from the government. And, you know, they got it from the government, too. Yeah, like the government getting a fight or getting a war in a situation with somebody, they're going to go get a gun. They're going to go get a bigger gun if that person already got the gun. You know, like the government is where we got all that stuff from. And so it's like you see this stuff about, you see all these things that go on and you just realize, like, you, you got to do it in a way in which if you're going to do it, you got to do it in a way in which you're giving back in some way, you know, protection, you know, uh, uplifting, be that person, you know, like, right. yes, you have a, a strong group behind you. You have a strong following. You could do this in a different way. You know, Malcolm X was was big on that. 
when it came Absolutely. to you know when it came to you know using violence to 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 get what you needed but like if that's what you want to follow then follow that not just black on black crime just like i said before man like um you know take a look at the american flag you got red yeah. white blue now um crips are blue bloods are red right mm -hmm. so those two are gangs and we should be united because that was really the purpose of Crips and Bloods you know, in the first place. But you know how it goes over time, mm -hmm. you know, crack hit or something in that manner. And then like, you know, that's when they became against each other. But then what color do you got left? You know, like white. That white know? color, yeah. Who's white? Pretty much the government. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like. Who's that, who's that other gang, gang that we should be, you know, and then they just sit back and watch us fight. It's a three gang fight. Three gang war, which had over, over two them. of us fighting. You know, only two of us are fighting. Only two of the factions are fighting, and we shouldn't be. We should be ganging up against them. Mm -hmm. You know, since they want to sit back and fight. I mean, watch us fight. It's so like you got to realize that you're aiding and abetting this situation. You're making it worse. You're allowing this, and the fact that nobody's taking responsibility for this, and nobody's trying to say, "Hey, look." You know, I think I'm allowing this. I think I'm making this worse. I'm thinking this, make, you know, making this easier for the, you know, people to oppress us and people to prejudice against us. I'm making this worse. I right. get where we came from. I get where we, you know, what we grew up on. I get what we we go through on a daily basis. I get that. But the fact that you're allowing them and allowing everything to corrupt you in such a way to the point where you're making this easier for them and you're proving their point. You're not gaining anything. You're not showing it. You're not kicking them in the butt and saying, ha ha, joke's on you. You're not doing that. You're actually helping them. You know, and so it, we have to think about ourselves. Like, you know, Michael Jackson said, you got to take a look at yourself in the mirror and make a make change. change. Yep. You know what I'm saying? All right. So the last uh, poem we're going to talk about is um, Brown Sugar Babies. Now, tell mm -hmm. me about that one. So um, actually, I'll read that one for you. All right. So Brown Sugar Babies is the final poem in the end. And um, I was going to put a quote uh, by me in the end of the book after this one, but I totally forgot. But anyways, here we go. So Brown Sugar Babies, create a world where we can live, a paper mache world of hope tied together by our arms. Let's fight for the brown sugar babies. Make the world they deserve to exist in. They will never know the hate of their existence but will know the rich of their culture. Grow like seeds to love the many flowers they come in. Develop a mental incapable of being unhealthy or corrupt. Develop an environment incapable of the same things. Brown sugar babies, they look up to us, staring at the sun through shielded eyes. We hold this burden so they don't have to and smile. We play the music of love and prosperity to fill their ears full and everything their eyes see will be success and profit. Brown sugar babies must know their skin to be beautiful and see their people as amazing as we are. Golden caramel to dark chocolate. We sweeten the world. We add flavor and the brown sugar babies grow sweeter because of it. Breathe in your oxygen and exhale your hate and the CO2 for the plants. We must create a world for the brown sugar babies to know love straight from the sugar cane. Amen. And so, and so we we have to we have to create this world for them. So it starts with us. 
you know, like we're we're gonna be the we're gonna be the forefront of it, you know. And we, it starts with us where we're just trying to make everything evident, you know, become aware and and start start you know becoming the change. So then later on down the line, when our generation is growing up and when our generation is getting you know older and older, they'll have these qualities and they'll have these you know abilities to understand us as beautiful and understand us as the way we are. Even the white generation, this you know younger generation that they they make in the future will probably be thinking the same thing and will have a better off world because of it. Not mm -hmm. not you know just basically eradicating racism altogether by destroying all the history of it and making it unevident to them, but basically just, you know, recreating a mentality to, to adopt when they become older. And so just basically making the, the blueprints to what it should be. And so then they'll have, they'll have these blueprints that they can use to just be the way that they're supposed to be and think the way that they're supposed to think, making a life better for everybody. You know, eradicating eradicating all the prejudice altogether. You know, there's still be a little bit of it, but you know, making a less percentage than a higher percentage. Absolutely. And so, Brown Sugar Babies is really one of the final poems in the book, and it, it, that's the number one reason why the book was created uh, was to spread that awareness around, and also to discuss the evident struggles amongst the black community and the differences and struggles that we all share as a black man or a black woman. Understanding that will help us all to be better and help us start that healing that we need amongst the black community to become a better community in general. Absolutely. I feel like the black community definitely needs a lot of healing, up, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so... I leave you with a quote. Mm -hmm. So imagine life like it's a, a boxing match. You know, life is the worst person you ever fight. You know, they're better than you in every way. There's no way you can win and you know that. But you got to get in the boxing ring and you got to put the biggest scar on life's face so that even though you lose, because everybody dies at the end. But even though you lose, life is going to sit here and say, damn, that hurt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you got to get in there. You got to put a big old scar on his face so he'll never forget you. How are you going to put your like scar on the world? That's like your mark right there. Because yeah. How are you going to put your scar? How are you going to put your scar on life's face? That's all you got to think about. And it's so like you're leaving that, um, leaving that blueprint. You know that I'm blueprint, saying? yeah. You you live in that blueprint for people to say, "Damn, I want to be like that guy," or "Dang, oh, I want to be that that woman right there." Because that's know? how you create like a following. That's how you get people. Like you influence people. Like, mm -hmm. okay, you go to life right there. Leave your scar. Let them know what that scar represents, mm -hmm. and then other people gonna look at that scar and be like, "Okay, maybe I can learn something from this." And then that's where they start planting their seeds, and then the next generation does it. Then the next generation does it. Exactly, and life ain't life ain't walk around unscathed. He done been hit a couple times. Oh yeah, you just gotta you gotta leave the biggest one. You know, you gotta do what you gotta do to leave the biggest one on his face. You gotta be like a wolf. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Not a sheep. So yeah, that's what I leave y'all with. Make sure y'all go check out Brown Sugar Babies on Amazon. Available in hardcover, paperback, and Kindle. Yes, sir. appreciate yes, sir. it.
appreciate being on the show, bro. Appreciate being on the show. Always, always appreciate being on the show. Definitely not the last time. We definitely going to get some. uh, Tell the people what you got coming up soon. Like what you got in storage. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) my next book is coming uh, soon. Um, Not soon, but I will work on it. Uh, But this one is going to be on male um, toxicity. So like um, it's going to be about the fact that males in society and what that pertains in the box that we live in. You know, I'm gonna put poetry about that, and it's gonna be in a journal format for men. And so, um, y'all look out for that one. That should be coming real soon. But I appreciate um everybody supporting me with these books and sharing brown sugar babies all over the internet. We actually broke the internet with that, and uh, <laughs> and I appreciate that. I really, really love that, and I'm glad that um Black History Month we made Black History Month by you know putting out this book and um, I appreciate everybody who supported me and bought the book and the book is still available it would always still be available so if you if you're listening to this now go check it out on Amazon and see if you, you know got the money for it and you know and check it out you know learn something become a little bit more wiser as a black person in the community and so you know thank you yeah man get some knowledge in your damn brains yes sir <laughs> <laughs> But I appreciate you, my boy, for real. Thank you, man. I'm proud of you for this. Yes, sir. I'm proud of Thank you, though. So. Thank you. Well, yeah, man. Um, just the Thinking Out Loud show. Appreciate you, Devin Air. You know what I'm saying? We mm-hmm. out of here. Peace. Right. Peace.